There we go. Good morning. I bet everyone missed that introduction. Good morning. Today's uh, uh, Parsha Punch class is, of course, dedicated in memory of Moshe ben Rachamim. Allah shalom. His neshama should go from strength to strength and be able to bring down brachas upon all of us and see to the geula right now. Tomorrow is an interesting day. It's the first of the four extra parshiot that we read uh, during this time of the year. So in addition to reading the full Torah portion of Mishpatim, we will also be reading Parshat Shkalim. The reason why we read Parshat Shkalim this time of year is because, as the Gemara tells us, on Rosh Chodesh Adar is when they would make an announcement every year in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, they would make announcements throughout the land of Israel, it's time to give your annual half-shekel tax. And so therefore, commemorating that, if, if it's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh Adar, then Parshish Shkolem is Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. If Rosh Chodesh is in the middle of the week like it is this year, so then you do it on Shabbos Mavarchim, the Shabbos before Chodesh Adar. So we'll be reading two readings tomorrow, Mishpatim and Kitisa. Normally, by the way, just from a practical standpoint, um, since normally one brings out two Torahs, and the purpose of bringing out two Torahs when you have two different readings is you don't want to bother the congregation to have to wait while you roll the Torah. So that's why you bring out two Torahs. Technically, it probably would take less time to roll from the end of Mishpatim to the beginning of Kitisa, which is only two Torah portions away. It's only two months and then it's Kitisa. So technically, it would take less time to roll to Kitisa than it would Hagba on the first one, put it aside, open up the second one, etc. But since the standard custom is to bring out two Torahs, one brings out two Torahs anyway, because that's what we do. Okay, so now the question is, what is the underlying message of the combination of Pashas Mishpatim and Pashas Shkalim? So we go to the first Rashi in Pashas Mishpatim. Right at the beginning of Pashas Mishpatim, it says, Ve'elah Mishpatim. Rashi immediately jumps in and tells us, some places it says, Ela, and some places, Ve'ela. And these are. Sometimes these are, sometimes and these are. What's the difference, says Rashi? Simple understanding of the verse. If it says, Ela, these are, that means this is a whole new topic, has nothing to do with what was going on before. When it says, Ve'ela, and these are, that means it's Moisif al Rishainim. This comes in addition to what was going on before. Continues Rashi. What does it mean, what was before? Last week's Torah portion was the revelation of Mount Sinai. So Rashi says, Ma'elumi Sinai, Af Elumi Sinai. Just like the Ten Commandments were given to Mount Sinai, so were all the laws of Pashas Mishpatim also given at Mount Sinai. Now, the practical application of that is that, and Rashi says, is that a person needs to understand that civil laws, even though they're civil, and there's something that a person can comprehend and understand on his own, and come to those conclusions on his own, that's not a good enough reason for a person. A person should not do those mitzvahs exclusively because he understands them, but he has to do them because he got them from Sinai, because they're Hashem's mitzvahs. 
And you have to remember that all the time. Why? Because eventually you're going to come in conflict with a particular mitzvah that maybe doesn't bounce your way in the mishpatim. And you're going to say to yourself, all the rest of these were logical, so maybe the ones that are not logical, I'm just supposed to flip off. So therefore, I say, specifically when it comes to mishpatim, that those were also given at Mount Sinai. But there's a deeper thing to understand about that. At Sinai, we were told, we, we spoke about this last week, Rashi tells us, they, stood, they came to the Mount Sinai, they were all as one. Like one person with one heart. That's the way the children of Israel came to rest at Mount Sinai. There was a sense of unity, which a sense of unity can only be achieved through a sense of selflessness. You cannot truly be in a state. In other words, you can find places of commonality with anybody. Particularly Jews have a Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, even till today, a natural knack for being able to find commonality with Jews who culturally, religiously, uh, behaviorally, etc., etc., may have nothing in common with them. But push comes to shove. We're both Jews. And we're able to identify with each other. This is something much deeper. What happened at Mount Sinai was a sense of selflessness where B'nai Yisrael were capable of absolutely setting self aside and only because there's a a flip side we're going to come to in just a second. Setting themselves aside and recognizing that we're only part of one body and that one body is inexorably connected to Hashem. That's what made us worthy of the revelation of Mount Sinai. So it turns out that interaction with Torah requires a two-step approach. The first step has to be like one person with one heart. First approach has to be when you sit down to study Torah, you want to absorb Torah, you want to internalize Torah, you want to be able to understand it and make, make it something you can appreciate, the first step has to be actually selflessness. I don't understand that it's Dvar Hashem. And I'm just absorbing Hashem's word as Hashem presents it to me. I'm taking it in to the best I can as Hashem gives it to me. But I myself, I'm just listening. I'm just listening. Now, once you've achieved that state, the next state is Mishpatim. What's Mishpatim? Mishpatim is details. By definition, when you detail something, Forget about the fact that, um, that not all the laws are you going to appreciate. Not all the laws apply. I'm not planning on being a farmer anytime soon. Not. So you have all these mitzvahs about farming. Like at Shikhapeya, I don't know. I don't know any fields. And I don't know any fields in Israel. That's for sure not. So all of a sudden I have responsibility to understand. So by definition, Mishpatim is written in such a form, and remember, out of the 613 mitzvahs, the largest percentage are written for you. It doesn't apply to the rest of us. 
The large percent of the mitzvahs apply only to you. And you're a minority in a minority. Right? So, huh? Because he's white. Because he's white, exactly, yes. And identifies as white and male. Forget about the Kohen part. White and male, that's it. That's sufficient to make him a minority. Makes him an abused minority. So now, so Mishpatim really focuses on the details. So now that you've reached this point where you've been able to achieve the unity of Ayichan Shamisov ve'ela Mishpatim, make sure that when you approach Mishpatim, it's based on and it's being added on to Mount Sinai. That at Mount Sinai you were all completely one. And now that you're going into Mishpatim, you're going to have to find your own place, your own details, the moment at which you relate specifically to Torah, Hashem, and the Jewish people. Fine. As long as you started off with that foundation from Mount Sinai, you can now experience your own personal experience in Torah, Mishpatim. But it gets better. Along comes Parshat Shkalim. And Parshat Shkalim says, doesn't make a difference who the person is, rich or poor, every single person gives exactly the same, half shekel. So what is this? This is now a higher state of unity. In what way is this a higher state of unity? To explain. You, will, you could definitely find this in an experience in, in learning Gemara. For sure you can find this. However, in my life, I found it much, much more studying Chassidus. You sit down and you learn with somebody. Not everybody has identical personalities. You learn through a Maimer Chassidus, a Gishmak Maimer Chassidus. At the end of the Maimer, you look at your Chavrusa and you say, No, you see he's on fire. And you feel like you yourself are on fire. And you look at the guy and you say, what is your takeaway? And, the, and he says something that's actually straight out of the mimer that you just learned, but completely different than what your takeaway was going to be. Completely different. And in many ways, you look at him and you go, no, 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 no. That's not the theme of the Mimer. Here's what the theme of the Mimer is. Your takeaway. And it turns out, what that you're both right. The higher state of unity is when you can experience that diversity and still say, wow, yes, my takeaway from the Mimer would have been such... His takeaway from the Maimah was something completely different. But they're both there. And it's both part of the same Torah. In other words, a unity, the first stage, like one person with one heart, that form of unity, that sense of selflessness, puts us in a position where no one can tell you vow from me. I look tall, thin, and handsome. Young, 
can't tell us apart. That, but that's not a big deal if we all look the same. That's not a unity. Of course, it's a sense of selflessness that causes a unity, and that's a very beautiful beginning to how we approach Torah. A much more powerful unity is when everybody gives a half a shekel. All the shekels are the same, but every one of them is an individual. All the shekels are the same, but every one is an individual. They used it as a census, not just as a tax collection. That's the way they did a census. So all of a sudden you count up all these shekels, now you know how many individual people. You say, wait a second, wasn't the idea here unity? Why are we getting a count for how many people there were? And the answer is that's the highest state of unity. When you can appreciate and respect and realize that every, every person has their own personal experience of Torah, if your personal experience of Torah becomes a combative one, you see that sometimes in a yeshiva, and two guys get stubborn and they dig their heels in, and no, you're an idiot, no, you're a fool, you don't understand the toast vote, yes I do, you don't understand the toast vote. When it becomes like that, ah, that means they didn't do the Vayichan part right. But if they did the Vayichan part right, if they started off with the right kind of selflessness, then when their own individuality comes and becomes connected to Torah, the subsequent reaction is notwithstanding the fact that each one of them had a different reaction, the subsequent reaction is an even more powerful, more intense unity. Wow. I can't get over that you and I just learned the same mimer. And we each came away with something different. Wow. Torah is amazing. And of course, that doesn't only affect the way we learn Torah, it affects every single aspect of our lives. The way we approach life, the way we deal with life, the way we deal with people, the way we interact, especially with Jews. The way you get another year to put on tefillin. Same approach. Because all of it, ve'ela, it all has to tie back to Sinai. May Hashem bless us that we achieve this perfect unity, this Shabbos, and we reach the place that all of us need to reach where we stand together once again for the reinvigoration of our marriage with Hashem. When we receive Torah Chadashem through the coming of Mashiach, and as the Novi promises us right before the coming of Mashiach, the Novi Nishayo, Bila Amavas Lanetzach Omach Hashem Alekim Dima Me'al Kolpanim, and we'll merit to see Moshe and Rachman standing together with us. Yet before this Shabbos, may it happen now. Amen. Shabbat Shalom and Lachaim.